Those two guys are brothers. Today we're thinking about friendship, but I think you see the friendship that's pulled them together and, and made a relationship that really counts, that really matters. And, and that's just what we're going to talk about. I think most of us want real friendships that can last a lifetime. Friendships that really will matter and build something into two lives and, and make both of those lives better. But, but friendship is not always easy. Because we do stuff, and we say stuff that can hurt the other person's feelings, and we have to move past that and get through it, and that's often not a very easy thing. In fact, some of us may be able to look back in our lives and see a pattern, right? See that we develop friendships, we meet someone, we we see a connection, we have the opportunity to do stuff together, and, and we grow closer, but then something happens. They say something, we say something, something is done, and and the friendship is fractured. And somehow, either we can't get through that, or they can't get through it, or both, and we move on. And then we find another friend. And the same thing happens again. Or maybe, maybe you've been through this and you just struggle to develop friendships that can really be part of a life that, that is based in relationship. And, and you really want that, but it just never seems to happen. Today, I want us to think about that. We're bringing to a close this series of lessons that I'm calling Offering. And we're thinking about how we can offer ourselves in relationships and help those relationships grow. You know, lots of times we think about relationships in terms of what can they do for me. But if we want to have healthy, lifelong relationships, we need to think more about What can I offer in this relationship? What can I offer to the other person that will make the relationship stronger? And today, we're going to think about what that looks in terms of friendships. And we've seen one example of a video. We're going to look at a few others as we go along today and think about some examples of that. But first, I want us to look to a biblical example. And we find this, a story of friendship in 1 Samuel chapter 20. One of the great stories of friendship in the whole Bible, it's the story of David and Jonathan. Interesting story because you have two men who are involved in the royal family. King Saul is the king at the time, and his son is Jonathan. And Jonathan is the crown prince. In other words, he's going to be the next king. He's first in line to be king. And his friend is David. Well, if you know anything about the story, you know David eventually is the king. But their friendship begins long before that. It begins as David is sort of invited into the royal household with Saul, becomes an important uh, advisor, and, and David and Jonathan become very good friends as a part of that. But the relationship is complicated when God rejects Saul and his family as king because of his disobedience, and God chooses David as the next king. So here you've got Jonathan. Caught between. His father's the king. God's rejected him. He should be the next king. God has said no. David is now going to be the next king. So here's Jonathan between his father, the king, and David, who will be the next king. Very complicated situation to put a young man, but there he is. And and what happens next is these two young men got to figure out what this is going to look like. How do you maintain a friendship in the middle of all of that political and court intrigue that's going on and what kind of strain that puts on a relationship. And so it becomes more complicated when Saul, the king, begins to, and he loses touch with reality, loses control of his emotion, and he begins to decide if he can get rid of David, then he can stay on the throne and his family will remain on the throne. And so he begins to hunt David down in order to kill him. And as David recognizes that, 
he and Jonathan come together and they talk about that. And this is the way that story goes. It's found again in 1 Samuel chapter 20. At the beginning of the chapter, David fled from Nioth to Ramah and he went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? What in the world brought all this about? I didn't choose to be the king. God brought this on me. I didn't challenge Saul to be the king. This is just something that God has led me to. Why is your father ready to kill me? Well, Jonathan's not completely ready to accept all that as fact because it's his dad, and he can't imagine his dad being prepared to kill his best friend, even though that's exactly what was going on. So Jonathan says never. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. It's not going to happen. My dad would have let me know if he had this kind of vendetta against you. I can't believe that my father would try to kill you. And then David says, listen, this is what's happening. And he says it this way. David took an oath and he said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm sort of swearing this on God and your life, there is only one step between me and death. Well, when Jonathan hears David say it that way, he begins to realize this is serious. That this really is what, what's happening. David knows that Saul really is trying to hunt him down and kill him. So they, they hatch a plan to figure out Saul's real intentions. There's a festival coming up. It happened every month, a new moon festival. And so they decide, well, David's going to skip that. Normally he would be there. The king is sort of the host of that festival. And David's going to choose not to be there. And they're going to say David's at home with his family making a sacrifice, which would be an important family obligation. And they're going to see how Saul responds to that. And if he responds with hatred and anger, well, they'll sort of know that this really is going to, you know, Saul's ready to kill David. Now they hatch that plan, but then, but then think about where they are. You've got Jonathan attempting to protect David sort of against his father's will. Jonathan's worried, okay, what's going to happen next if David does become king? Everybody's going to want to kill my family because that's what happens when you change dynasties. You've got to kill off the king's family so that no one can claim the throne. David, on the other hand, is worried that, that Saul's trying to kill him and maybe, maybe Jonathan's going to allow that. And so they've got this friendship. They pledged to one another in friendship. And, and what does that friendship mean? And how does it work itself out? And how far are they really willing to go for one another? And so David challenges Jonathan. He says, as for you, in verse 8, show kindness to your servant, to me, David, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. You have promised that you would be faithful to me in this friendship. Are you willing to do it? I'm calling on you to keep the promises that we have made to one another in friendship. He says, if I'm guilty, in other words, if I've done anything that would bring your father anger, if I've done anything to cause him a problem, then just kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? 
Well, Jonathan clearly is not willing to do that. He wants to keep the promises that he's made to David. He wants to maintain this friendship, even in the face of all the danger that they're both facing if they do keep this friendship. But but Jonathan has that concern too. When David becomes king, what's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to his family, his descendants? And so he calls on David as well to maintain this friendship, to be faithful to the promises they've made. Verse 14. He says, but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So he's worried about his children, his grandchildren. What's going to happen to them? Will David maintain this covenant even to his descendants? And then it's sort of all brought together In verse 17, and Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. These two men have developed a strong enough relationship that it stands above all the political strife, all the stuff, the schemings of Saul to try to kill David, and all the things that might make David fear Jonathan once he's become king. Their commitment is there and they have pledged themselves themselves to this relationship. So they they begin to work that plan. The New Moon Festival comes. David doesn't show up. Yeah, Saul notices that one of his advisors is not present as he should be, and he begins to challenge Jonathan. Jonathan says he's with his family, and then we read these these words in verse 30. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, you are son of a perverse and rebellious woman. In other words, it's all your mom's fault, right? Okay. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse, that's David, to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. David's going to be the king. If we don't get rid of him, you'll never be the king. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Yeah, Saul's serious about this. He's basically saying, Jonathan, you've let this this friendship cloud your judgment. You've let this friendship get get in the way of your goals and what you can accomplish. You've let all this cause you so many problems because you've, you've chosen a friend. Jonathan sort of pushes back, and at that, Saul takes his spear and he throws it at Jonathan right there at the dinner table, just barely missing him and intending to kill his own son. But Jonathan escapes. And then they come out, and uh, according to some predetermined signals that they had given, Jonathan communicates, yeah, my dad is ready to kill you. But then they come together one last time. Verse 41, the boy had gone. That was part of their signal. David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept, but David wept the most. And this is the last time that they're together. They recognize what's coming. Friendship can be costly. But these two men kept that honor. And in fact, Jonathan makes sure that that David's life is spared. And though some people do end up killing Jonathan, later on, Jonathan had a son that that was disabled. His name is Mephibosheth. And David invites him into the royal household and cares for him because of this promise. So what does that say to us? Yeah, 
There's a cost in friendship. When we choose to be friends, it's not always going to be easy. There may be some struggle there. There may be moments when the relationship costs us something, when it's difficult, when we don't know how to handle it. But we can get through it if we're really committed. If we commit to one another in friendship. And this is the lesson that I get from this passage. Friends choose what's best for each other. What's best for each other, for the, for the other. Friends choose that. It's easy to choose what's best for me, but friends choose what's best for each other. We look at how can I, how can I bless this person? How can I be part of their lives and add something to their life? Not just what does this relationship mean to me? How can I actually help them in the face of the cost of a friendship? Let's watch another video that I think illustrates some of that. Friends choose what's best for each other, even when there's a cost involved. And so often there is a cost involved in friendship. So often our friends do need something from us, and and we need to build into their lives. Friendship can require us to forgive, right? We're hurt. We don't know how to get past it. The only way is to forgive. Sometimes friendship requires us to humble ourselves when we have wronged a friend and ask for forgiveness, even when we may not want to. Friendship may require us to encourage, to build the other person up when they're really struggling. Friends may go through really difficult times when it feels like everything is just falling apart around them and we will need to be the person who stands beside them. The person who says, I'm going to be here Regardless, friends need those kinds of things. Friends also sometimes need us to confront the difficult truths together, to say things that we don't particularly want to say, but we know have got to be said to this person. And because we are the friend, we need to say it. Sometimes friendship means sort of being there and offering something to our friends that they cannot give to themselves. Because we are friends. One more video. That's what friends do. They offer themselves. They give the best for each other. You know, this whole series comes back to exactly where we began, and that's that relationships matter. You know, we can pursue all kinds of stuff in life, whether it's money or success, position, fame, all sorts of stuff. But in the end, what's going to matter are the relationships. You know, our mission as a church is to love God and love others. And that's where we are right now. It's our relationship with God and how we express that relationship with each other that really matters. And the only way to do that is to take the incredible gifts that God has given us through Jesus and then offer them to the people around us. Because it's in in God's giving that we understand what it really means to give ourselves because God gave a son and he died for us and everything we give is just really a reflection of that let's pray together and help us to be good friends good friends to people we know to our family members to our co-workers to people in this room help us to offer ourselves as you have offered yourself to us. I pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Today, maybe you recognize that it's time to receive the gift that God has offered you. The offer of His love that expresses itself in forgiveness and eternal life. If you're ready to do that, we'd love to walk you through the steps to show you how that's done. Maybe you're ready to be a member of our church and serve alongside us. Or maybe today, during this time, you just need to reflect on the relationships in your life. And whether you're giving yourself or maybe you're holding some stuff back to be a real friend. Let's stand together and sing our invitation.